podcast number 10 so can't believe we've already done 10 of these it's kind of crazy. crazy yeah everybody's kind of wanted to jump in and it's not gone in any kind of order at all so i think kind of what we originally were like yeah we'll do it this way and it'll come out this day and that's really not happened we just kind of yeah. we're winging it right now so you it's, know it's kind of taken on a life of its own it has and you know one of the things that my big goal is conversations with one of the goals is conversations with new guys. So I uh, had Damon on the last podcast and that was a really fun conversation. I really, I knew Damon and I knew a lot of the, the topics cause I, that's one of the reasons I wore him in, but I didn't know any of the details. So it was really fun getting to know Damon and getting to hear all those. Yeah, I look things forward to done. having all the guys come in and share their story. we got some pretty unique people here. I mean, you got diverse you could do, population. <laughs> when I say you could do hundreds of episodes, oh, yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting. Yeah, we oh, yeah, should have a reality was, show. Yeah, the, the Damon's was probably my favorite one because it was so different the way you guys kind of flowed with each other. And I think that the podcast just keeps getting better. I talked to you about that the other day that it's keep getting better. Every single one gets better than the last. So. Well, it's funny. I never in a million years, I suck at social media. And, you know, I kind of do Facebook because it started because of the gym. That's the only reason I got it. And then Instagram people told me to do it, but I suck at it. And the only thing I end up taking a picture of is my dog. <laughs> and so this is pretty good because, like, I can just walk in here and talk to people, which is what I like. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to communicate, I'd rather just have a conversation. Me too. And this was not that episode, not that we couldn't do that on y'all, but I know you guys really well. I mean, you're two of my best friends, and so uh, we know each other, but – also, there's a lot going on, and one of the things going on is Father's Day. Um, there's also aliens, and I'm sure we'll get to, to both those things. There's <laughs> no wait. way the three of us get in a room and don't talk about aliens. <laughs> yeah, um, I can't but wait. you know, it it is Father's Day. We got a lot of guys, you know, having kids. We've got uh, Grayson's got twins coming, and can't believe that man. He seems like he should still be like 15 years old, right? And on top of is Dalton having one? Oh, I don't know. Probably not. Uh, I, Sorry, I have Dalton. no reason to, to think that other than it seems like everybody's pregnant. Yeah. There's a lot of babies. When are you going to be a grandpa? Oh, no. I don't think that's coming <laughs> up anytime soon. I hope not. Stacy's already a grandpa, and oh, yeah. he's, re, he's just up to redo this over and over. I, I just figured out. God wants me to raise kids. I don't know what Yeah, it is. so, you know, I've got my daughter just graduated at Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's a civil engineer and She's off. She's making her money and doing her thing. So I got one out, and then I got Jack, who's 16. And Elijah going, you can tell people your kid. Yeah, I've got uh, Isaiah. Of course, he trains here. Most everybody knows him, 21 years old. And then uh, got Hannah. She was our, our second child. Uh, 
and she's seven, fixing to be eight. And she's she, everybody pretty much knows her here too. She's oh, pretty yeah. outgoing. She she makes her she manages known. all the puppies. Matt manages all the dogs. She wants to be a canine trainer. She's going to go work for Damon or yeah. whoever in the future to train dogs. Yeah, she'll be a good one. Um, and then I, I purposely we have to leave Stacy for last because <laughs> there's multiple <laughs> layers to this. This could well, go on for a while because I know that's uh, what my, my my oldest daughter was really afraid. Uh, my mom one year. Um, which I'm a conspiracy theorist. I didn't want to do the DNA yeah. ancestry DNA, but my mom like insisted like, that's all I want for Christmas. Cause she's into genealogy. So my oldest daughter came to me before I took the test and was like, dude, am I going to show up with a bunch of siblings all across the country? I'm like, I probably so. Not a chance. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I spent some time in Kosovo. Oh yeah. I started young, man. I, I was 17 year old dad, um, junior in high school. Um, definitely wasn't planned. My oldest daughter is a school teacher. She does really well. She worked for you. Yep. You were her principal for a while. And uh, then I've got, uh, had a stepson that's 17 uh, by my second wife, uh, who I've raised most of his life. Um, and then I've got a son that's that's 11 now, Owen. He was a late in life surprise. Yep. And I think we talked about that on one of the other episodes. I, was, <laughs> I came... I found out that Owen was coming into the world and I came and saw Matt first thing and I like, put my head on his desk at school and he's, he thought something terrible was wrong. I was like, God. Oh, no, no, no. I knew ex- is the funniest part. <laughs> the funniest part is that I knew exactly what it oh, was. Yeah. Like that, there's nothing in this world at that time that would have put your head on my desk. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Other than that, that that's <laughs> what was so funny. And, and now, you know, I'm... Um, and then he's a little you. Oh, I yeah, mean, he is. If, if there's... And it's really funny because of all the things, you know, at the time, so he's like, yeah, you know, I'm too old to be doing this. But not once he, you know, kind of once he got it, thinking about it. And then once Owen was there, he was very excited, obviously. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. he's been, there's a lot of things in our relationship. Like when we first got together and started training, anniversaries would come, we train. Yep. Birthdays. His birthdays came, you know, and I'm not. Uh, yeah. yeah, we'd still train. You know, like it didn't matter what was happening. Jiu-Jitsu came first. Right. And then it's been fun now with like with Owen. Owen comes first. Right. And that and and you know, I've, I've entered a new relationship. I've got a yeah, you're right. an adult and fiance now, man. And, and now you got a whole nother batch of kids. Yep, so get ready to going. raise another family. I got a beautiful fiance and uh she's a veteran as well. And we we just kinda God really brought her into my life. I'm so thankful for her. But she's got two small children, an eight year old little girl named Avery and a four year old named Autumn and they're uh God, man, they're like mine now too. So, I mean, I'm starting over raising kids. I just, it's one thing I've always felt like I'm good at, you know, and, and uh, I enjoy, I love being around kids. I think it keeps you young. Well, Definitely. you know, you're going to spend 50 years raising kids, so we're going to yeah. find out if it keeps you young. <laughs> yeah, Whatever, I you hope know. so. That's why I stay in shape, man. I try to. Yeah, I try to stay in shape because... God knows. I got to I got to get them out. I feel like Father Abraham in the Bible or something. I don't know. Yeah. It is one of those things you seem like you get better at with time. You do, like, man. I'm much better I, with my daughter than I was with I was son, a sucky so. dad in my 20s and 30s. And I feel bad. Um, my daughter, Ashley's, um, we have these conversations now, and I've had to go back and apologize because, number one, with her, with this experience, I, being in the Marines, I was gone for the first few years of her life, and I come home. She's having to readjust to who I am. And, uh, I, you know, automatically kind of went into Marine drill instructor mode with her and I, 
That doesn't work with girls. I mean, you can do that with guys, um, little boys, and and it will work. But uh, you know, I tried to raise her like a little marine, and I was like, Jesus, you know. So we've had these funny talks now. You know, like now looking back, it's she, we can laugh about it. But at the time, she's like, Yeah, I, I hated that. I hated <laughs> everything that you did like that. Well, and, you know, it was a lot like that. So like when I got together with Katie, Riley just turned four, and. You know, I'm graduating college about that time, so I think we got married when she was five, and then here you go. You know, you got right. you got a family. <laughs> what you know, you're just not that good at it. You right. don't have that much money, and you know, there's all well, these reasons. You're like, and then you, you kind of figure it, same deal. Like I, I would just talk, and it's like she's crying. Right. Like, I don't know what I did. I, that was just my voice. I can't change that. Yeah. Um, it's it definitely. Yeah, As I got a, older and having boys made it, you know, Jack was easier. with girls. Yeah. But it's, you don't get to do it over, you know, no. so you can't, you can't wish it away. Yeah. I'm so thankful that I had Isaiah first. Um, having a boy first helped me mm-hmm. tremendously because I was more unforgiving, fire and brimstone, hot-headed you know, oh, when yeah. I was younger. And that's really how I kind of grew up. I mean, I grew up in a rough household and just being able to find my own way as a dad and figure out where that happy medium is. Like I always felt like, like grow, like at growing as a father that my theory with Isaiah early on as a boy was I wanted to make him tough. So I was hard on him, but I didn't want to break his spirit. So like yeah. there's this fine line between yeah. <laughs> Matt's talked about, we that. talk about that all the time. There's this fine line between we, making a man of him, but not breaking. His unfortunately, spirit. I think Matt and I've, went down the road a little too far and broke some spirits with our boys and had to back up and punt a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, like Jack's such a peaceful kid. Yeah. He's so is too. happy all the time. Like one thing I had to do is just not look, it's easy. This part's easy for me. And I think it's some of the best, one of the best things you can do is just don't live through your kid. Right. You know, like so many live people. your own life and let your kid live his life and don't put that on him. Right. So, the one area that I found is like I had to pull back and just let him be him and develop into who he is. And then now that he's old enough to choose, I'm like, look, if you once you made the decision, I'm gonna hold you to the decision. So now he's likes right. to train, but like you know, I want him to train his whole For life. For sure, I, I know. Like me personally, looking back at being a parent in my twenties, I mean, you're still a kid, really. I mean, yeah. And I was very selfish, like you said. You know, I'm. We can, you know, we talk about prioritizing training and how we used to, you know, training came before everything. And, you know, there's a reason I was divorced a couple of times. And, you know, there's a reason I had a strained relationship with my older, oldest daughter. I mean, because, you know, you're selfish in a way, but then again, like when you were poor too, you're working a couple of jobs and you're working all the time and you just, life passes by. And next yep. thing you know, you blink and your kid's a teenager and you're like, well, crap, I wasn't there for a lot of their life. And, uh, you know, I thought I was doing like by my oldest daughter, I thought, well, you know, I'm working two jobs and I'm training all the time, but I've, she's got a roof overhead. She's got brand name clothes and, you know, good food. And, but they don't necessarily want that as much as they want time with, with you as a parent. Yeah. So it took me a while to figure that out. And, and I've tried to make, you know, with my younger kids, um, I, I, like I said, I prioritize them now on time with them. And, uh, and you touched on it with Jack talking about how not living vicariously through your kids. Like Jack and Owen remind me a lot. They're, they're such, they're nice. Like mm-hmm. Owen is a sweet kid. Like us without trauma. Right. And I think the trauma is what made all of three of us 
you know, who we are. I mean, we all, we've talked about childhood trauma and we, Which I mean, I had had great, great parents. Yeah. Great parents. But, but like, well, uh, well, me, for an example, had a great mom and dad, but they, we were, we lived in poverty. We were very poor. So my mother worked second shift in a mill and worked seven days a week down at Mount Vernon. Like back then in the seventies and eighties, like they didn't get a day off. Mm-hmm she's working in a cotton mill and then my dad worked first, but then he had a second shift job. So they were never there. They were very absent. It wasn't because they didn't want to be parents. It was because they had to work all the time to keep us afloat. So my grandmother by default, you know, I ended up, she, she raised me because, you know, she was there and um, that's where I spent most of my time. But um, yeah, being present in the kids' lives huge. Yeah, and it doesn't take a lot of time to be present. I mean, like, I mean, everyone's busy these days, and I, I was super busy then, again, working all those hours. But I can think back, like, one of the things with Isaiah that I can think back on that was just finding little ways to be present, but it doesn't take a lot of time, was I always was the one that carried him to school every day. I had to right. be up, and I was going out the door to work anyway. Right. So I was carrying him to school, and so I just got to the habit of, like, every day on the way to school, we had life talk. Like right. I picked a subject that was relatable to something going on, whether it was, you know, being a good man or, or being responsible or good work ethic or whatever the topic was. And I just had a conversation with him on the way to school and we would like drive home all these topics. And like, there's many years where I was like, man, am I just wasting my time? Like, am I getting through this kid? Cause like he I would, know. we would talk about something he would do right the opposite anyway. And I'm like, what is going on with him? But now that he's married, you know, his oh. wife, Kim, actually came to me recently and said, hey, do you remember You remember all those talks you used to have with Isaiah on the way to school? And I was like, yeah, how do you know about that? And she's like, well, she's like, he's never told you this, but he told me he really appreciated all that, and it really meant a lot to him. And he like, he's, he learned a lot from that now, you know? And so I'm awesome. like, oh, man, that made a Oh, those are big, those so, are huge things. Yeah. Like, yeah. Anytime you get any, you don't get any feedback. No. You know, that's one thing, like, I'm, none of us are, I mean, I guess you're you're more touchy feely than I am, but you know, right. most people would look at us and go, "We're not touchy feely guys." Right. But you want feedback. You want to know, all right, that yeah. did well there. You know, yeah. that's good. That's effective yeah. communication. You gotta you gotta get. The but at feedback. the end of the day, it's the finished product. You know. And I tell you something. There's a guy that, and we talk a lot. And I know as this podcast continues to grow, like a constant theme is going to be mentorship, and and I think we'll touch on that today yeah. since this is Father's Day talk, but. You know, in life, I've had a lot of mentors, a lot of martial arts mentors, and I've had mentors that had nothing to do with martial arts, but they were just ended up being life mentors in different subject areas. And and I had a guy when I was a young police officer, his wife was a, a court clerk, and he was just a very cool guy, older guy. Um, I started hanging out with him. He had a great family, biz, very successful businessman. And um, he just shared a lot of like knowledge with me too, a parenting, because he had several kids and was a damn good parent. And one thing he told me as a, like a 20 something year old dad, and I did start doing this and I've done it with all my kids and it seems very trivial, but, but it's impactful is, uh, every day, like you said, you would drop, take yours to school. Well, I would pick mine up from school or I would talk to them after school. And every single day I always ask them, uh, what'd you have for lunch today? And he, he told me that he's like, Hey, seriously, just ask them every day what they had for lunch. Cause it lets them know that you care about them. And I just got in the habit of doing that with every kid I've ever raised. I'm like, so what'd you have for lunch today? And they're like, so we have these talks about 
school food, but um, I think it shows them that you care. You know? Right. And it's easy to have that conversation without being critical or whatever, because it's yeah. like, what'd you do at school today? Uh, uh, you, you sat in school for eight hours. You don't even know what you did today, but like right. lunch, they always remember yeah, what, what you did. Right. So that's a good conversation. So. Yeah. yeah, it's been, you know, Jack's not quite driving yet. So that was one of my, kind of my favorite things. Like this is the last time I'll be driving him to school this past year. So it's fun. And then, you know, I'm, I'm still driving him to the gym. Now it's easy, but the way I, I've just kind of always approached it is just have him with me. Right. As much as I can. So, yeah. like, and, hey, I mean, to be honest with you, he gets a pretty good lesson in a lot of stuff around here. You know, like, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, he sees ins and outs, and, I, you know, I just don't hide a lot from him because he's going to hear parts of it. So he needs to hear, like, my explanation for why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so a lot of times, you know, I'll I'll say something or I'll do something in the gym. Then we get in the car and I'm like, let me explain why I'm doing that. Oh yeah, because you know, hopefully, now he's into it and this is what he wants to do when he grows up. So I'm like, one, you got to be a tough black belt. That's your first rule, right? Uh, and but two, you got to learn how to handle these things right. if you're going to be a part of it. You know, communication is a big thing. Yeah. yeah, and that that really drives home like the whole idea that it's it's less about what you say and it's more about what you do leading by example and we you talk about that a lot mentoring and leader your leadership type stuff but and and the guy what's that guy's name from the dry creek horse oh i love I, horse I can't ranch think or of something like that big mustache country yeah i yeah, see him online so, like on youtube and stuff yeah, i sent so you this, the video yeah yeah so this this guy has this awesome podcast or video youtube channel or whatever but anyway he's he talked about something that was something that I actually learned kind of early on, and it kind of, I, I kind of figured it out on my own. But he he vocalizes it much more. But like I grew up in a kind of a rough household. We've we've talked about that before. But you know, and so like there's a lot of things that growing up I was like, well, I don't want to be that. Yeah. Like I, I knew what the negative was, and I didn't want to be that. You know, which sometimes can be a better teacher. Sure. Than positive. Sometimes you don't appreciate positive. You right. always notice those things. Or you negatives. just take it for granted. You don't, yeah. You just think that's the way life right. is. But, but yeah, so like, but then like once I got married and had a kid, I didn't, I realized that just not being something is not enough. Like, and like the way he verbalizes it is like, sure, you know, if you want to be a good man, you can say, well, I'm a good man. Well, why are you a good man? Well, because I don't do drugs. We just name something you don't do. Yeah. What makes you good, though? You have to do something positive on the other side, you know, to like, if you're just telling me all the things you don't do, you don't steal, you don't do drugs, you don't do this. Well, that's all, that's just making you a big zero because you don't do anything. You know, you right. got to, on the other side, you got to be a good man. You got to be helpful to others. You got to lead by example. You got to, you know, be there for your kids, be there for your spouse, you know, all these different things. And so figuring that early on, you know, that it takes more than just not being something. You have to to be something you have to stand for something you have to decide what that is and then lead by example to your children through your actions every day because they're watching you well every that's day. true let me give you some dad some some pretty good advice because that's great advice and and this is just kind of carrying on with that you better know who you are like how are you going to raise a kid to know who he is if you don't know who you are yep. and and then the other thing is like are you showing your kid that they can do any like this is this is little, but I know I got to the point like in education, you're like, all right, I got my plan set out. This is what I want to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna do all these things. And I got there and I'm like, I kind of set the bar too low. And then you're going, Am I really showing my kid he can do anything by this is what I'm doing? Like 
Right. If I don't do anything past this, and is he really getting the lesson that, hey, you can do anything? If I'm gripping that, like, really, I could do a lot more. So I just, in my mind, I'm like, you have to go do those things so that you can be an example that your kid can go do those things. If you sit on your ass and don't do anything and then go, hey, you can go be a jujitsu black belt. Why? I tell you something. Why can't I be a jujitsu black belt? Because I'm your kid and you're not doing it. And you're zero. I tell you what drives me nuts. And <clears throat> earlier you mentioned this and, you know, like not trying to force like our lifestyle on our kids. And, and we all agree that, in, in your Isaiah's already doing it and Jack is, but, you know, I won't make, that's non-negotiable. Mason and Owen are, and, and the girls, Avery and Autumn, are going to train martial arts. I mean, it's just, they're going to do it as part of their life. But, um, like, I've never been a big baseball fan, but Owen got it in his mind this year. He was going to play baseball. He's never played in his life. He's 11. And this is like, you know, the first year that they pitch and everything. Yeah, so like, it's a tough year to it's start. It's a tough baseball. year to start. <laughs> well, you know, and I, I, so I didn't discourage him and, and we let him play. And uh, I went to his games and he actually did really well. I mean, surprisingly, but his heart was in it. He wanted to do it. But what drives me nuts, man, and I'm sitting there in the stands and I'm seeing these parents that are yelling and screaming and they're so emotional from the stands and they're trying to coach your kids. And I'm sitting there looking at them and going, I know you. You've never played a sport in your life. You damn sure never played baseball. Yeah. You're, you're 200 pounds overweight. You never played a sport. I, I was your school resource officer when you were there, so I know you didn't do anything. And yet you're you're you know chewing your kid out because he struck out or something that's like you know shut the hell up like it drives me nuts when i see parents do that i actually had experience with that a lot because i coached travel ball for six years and i had a dad i've only had to do this one time and and it was bad for me to do this but it was the behavior that that dad was exhibiting was warranted. He, uh, I had a dad that would camp out right behind the batting cages every time we would do hit, you know, hitting, and he would just sit there and berate and coach and berate and coach from right behind his son while his son's trying to hit bat in practice. And finally, I'd had enough. And then, you know, this one day, I just said, "Okay, stop." I, I'm not going to name the kid or the dad, but I just asked the kid to exit the cage. And I said, "Come in here. I'm going to pitch to you." Yeah. Let's see you hit it. You know, right. and he was like, no, 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 no. I was like, no, 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 no. I've listened to you coach oh, yeah. for like a month now. You tell him everything he's doing wrong. You're going to get in here, and I'm going to throw you 10 pitches. Yep. You're going to get in here, you know. And he got in there, and he didn't hit a single one. And after that, I was like, shut the hell up. You want to keep coaching, or you want me to, me to coach? You know, right. he's like, point taken. You know, like, all right. Then. I tell you, you know, this, so. this is something I, I – God, I hate to even mention her name, but because uh, I fundamentally – disagree with everything this woman's ever said hillary clinton oh yeah god but anyways she wrote a book or allegedly wrote a book and it the title of it was it takes a village and that's the one thing that that woman's probably ever said that i agree on because i, I look back like i'm a product of this the little village of little fed i had so many like surrogate i'm pretty sure somebody said that before her if it makes you feel better oh good thank <laughs> god because i hate to give her credit for anything but uh yeah, at the police department, we say it takes a, a village to raise an idiot. Um, so. <laughs> it's also true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I've had so many, you know, friends, dads, and moms that have been so influential in my life over the years. And the older I've got, you're talking about being sentimental. Like, I have really, like, when I'm around these people, and a lot of them have died now, but before they died, if I ran into them, i just take time out to go up to them in a store and say, hey, you know, you might not have ever realized you impacted me, but 
you know, when I was 10 or 12 years old and you were picking me up from school and giving me rods and making sure that I had everything that your son had, you know, because I was a poor kid from West Lafayette, I, I appreciate that. And, okay. I mean, it meant a lot to them to hear that, and, and it was good for me to be able to, to thank them for it. Well, and you – look, it's one of my fundamental problems with society right now is everybody is so worried about themselves when that's literally the problem. Like – the problem is lack of community. Right. And every problem is lack of community. Like if you just look at it fundamentally is the fact that men are not being men and doing what they're supposed to. Yep. And you know what? I can, uh, what's the guy's name from YouTube? It's uh, the Lone Star Wrangler School, I think is what it was. Uh, All right. It's the Dry Creek Wrangler School. Yeah. It's the cowboy. That, and you know what? That guy's cool and I can appreciate that guy because he's lived life. Right. There's a bunch of guys that hadn't done shit. And they're telling everybody how they're supposed to do. Yeah. And that drives me nuts because I'm like, you look, I kept my mouth shut. We didn't open a jujitsu school until we were good at jujitsu. Right. We trained hard to get good yep. to open the school. Yep. It's the same with this. Keep your mouth shut until you know what you're talking about. Well, you know, looking back. And on the flip side, have some confidence. There's so many guys you, you have all these guys spouting out, hey, here's what you got to do. Here's what you got to You got to worry about yourself. You got to be a G. You got to be this. You got to be that. And we all know, because we've been there, you know, I've been through that stage, and that's not what it is. What it is, is those guys, who's going to be at your funeral? Like, who's going to carry your casket? Like, are they going to have to pay somebody to do it? Or is, have you done something up. for somebody in your 80 years that at least everybody goes well. All his he outlived all his friends. Well, he sure as hell didn't help nobody else, did he? Like no one, not one young person ever showed up. He didn't do one thing for anybody else. I'm not saying that always happens, but like I went to my great uncle's funeral recently, right. and he didn't have kids, but he had a stepkid, raised her, and you know was apparently a really good dad to him. I didn't know him. I didn't have any contact with him. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if he was a good guy. You know, I, I, I knew other people in my family, and that's why I went to the funeral. But there was a guy who said, like, his dad had had, like, polio real bad and couldn't walk, and basically Wendell raised him, you know. And at least you go, all right, I've never seen you since, you know, in any family thing or taking it. But at least you were doing something for somebody. Right. You know, like, you can pick your family. I'm fine with oh, it. Yeah. Like, we've kind of picked that we're family. But oh, yeah, for sure. These guys that don't invest in other guys, like, that's the point. That's why we're where we're at. That's why we're in trouble. And dads not being dads and then other men standing around holding a cell phone camera instead of doing something or well, raising a kid. And that's a good point. I was going to say, you know, I was born in 71. So, you know, my earliest childhood was the 70s and then, you know, coming of age and being a teenager in the 80s, which was the greatest decade ever, by the yep. way. Guns Roses, Motley Crue concerts. It just, was. Oh, it was a fun decade. But uh, back then, like, I couldn't get away with shit in Lafayette. I mean, anywhere I went, I'd ride my bicycle all over town, which is something that you can't let kids do now, you know. And if you screwed up, every merchant in town, like, you're the Meeks boy. You know, I'm going to go tell your dad. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then you know, I was made to go to church unless you had – I used to try to fake fevers to, to get out of it. It's about yep. the only way I got a reprieve from it. But um, – at Corinth Baptist, I can tell you one thing. Like, every mom there, it's like they signed a pack or something like, 
communal ass whoopings. Like if you <laughs> screwed up and your mom or grandma wasn't around to see they it, like any it. other mother there had free reign to beat your ass with a floss water or a wooden spoon or something. And uh, I mean, God, thank God for that, man. Yeah. Well, we just don't have that anymore. And and like you said, is you got to step up and. That's why you have to develop community. It's one of the reasons right. I think we are growing is because people understand, like, if you're not going to, like, used to churches were that community. Right. And now they're not. Or used to your neighborhood was your community or your block or your building, and now it's not. So now you got to go hunt your community down. Well, a lot of, uh, I mean, it's generational issues too. Like, we talk about this a lot. And I know you guys are on the tail end of, you're kind of like that hybrid transition from Gen X to millennial. Mm -hmm. But Gen Xers, you know, and even you guys, like we have the ability to, to communicate well with people, but you get younger than you and it's, I guess, because of the devices or whatever, but I mean, they've lost that, that skill. And, and like you said, you know, we used to know our neighbors. I mean, I remember living in neighborhoods and I knew every person on my block and especially the senior citizens. And they would come to me as the young person on the street for, you know, handyman things or, you know, if they, something, whatever, you know, mow a grass for them if they're sick or, and uh, we just don't see that anymore. But it's so sad to me when you go into restaurants and the fiance and I, we try to, she's really good about it. And I've gotten better because of her, but, you know, we don't let the kids on the devices. We try to talk at the, at the table and uh, engage with them. And you look around the restaurant and it's like the mom's on her phone, the dad's on her phone, mom's doing duck lip, you know, selfies. And then the kids are doing whatever. And it's just, that's why we're in the shape we're in. It is, but it's not everybody. No. I mean, I think there's a swing coming back. I think there's a swing back. I think, I think these kids are getting tired of it. Yeah, kids know real man. You, one thing I know from the time I had an education is you can't BS them for long. No. Like they can tell if you truly care, and yep. and they know what's real and what's fake. Like when you're spouting off BS all the time, they're going to tune out and it's not going to matter anymore, and they're going to go the other way. If the teachers, I think about this a lot with the like diversity and inclusion training, because one thing I know is if you I'm not, I'm not saying I'm against the thought of it, but just think about this. If you cram it down kids' throats, the next generation is going to go the opposite direction yep. and be less inclusive yep. and less open to diversity. That pendulum that always swings. is how it you, works. You know what scares the hell out of me? And think about this for a second, because you'll, you'll agree. Like, we were taught, it was assumed, if you're a teenager in the 80s, you're a rebel. Like, authority figure tells you to do something, screw the man. We're, you know, I'm not doing that. I'm going to break the rules. And now it's so scary that all you know, these young kids seem to be like in lockstep. Like, oh, the government says you got to do it. You better do it. Better wear that mask. Better get that vaccine. You know, it's like. I really think it's it's less young people. It's like that. It's more of the 20s and 30s and 40-year-olds. Right. Like, I think the truly young people, like the teenagers, they're actually more, a little more rebellious, oh. more more push back or whatever but but yeah going back to the community thing like i think that's huge for especially for young men because i think that we got a generation several generations of of young men that are kind of missing that mentor the leadership piece and i think that goes back to you, you can't just find a community you're not just looking for 
any community. It's just like everything else in your life. You have to be purposeful about what you're doing and it should be, you should be looking for things that are, that are positive or that are, are value added into your life. And so that's, that's why I think like finding your community like here at a is like for a lot of young men, I think that's, oh. it's been huge because it's a value Super added. Important. And well, it's another one of those lead by example things where, you know, if you're if you're getting around like minded men, you're you're learning something that's useful. You're you're becoming more dangerous, well, which in a good way, yes. and more capable, and you're able to be a protector. Your family sees that, your kids see that, and it's a lead well, by I, example. I tell you, I love philosophy, and um, kind of minored in it in college. I you know just loved it. Took all the humanities classes. Any anytime I had to have like a an elective, that's what I that's, that's where I did. was at. Yeah. Um, and Plato talks a lot about it, which. I think this is super cool, and I know we're getting off subject a little bit, but Plato, that wasn't his name. It was a nickname gave to him by his wrestling coach. He was a damn good wrestler. Really? He was an Olympic-level wrestler at the time. Yeah, he competed, and Plato translates as broad shoulders, and his wrestling coach called him Plato. His his real name was, I think, uh, Aristotle's. It's not Aristotle, but very close. Yeah. Um, And he talked a lot about that, about – you know, we, we just got to have a sense of belonging and we got to have mentorship. And, and what I have seen over the years is, you know, when kids are in school, they have a coach. Maybe that takes an interest in them. They don't have a dad that's present in their life, but they got a male role model. Right. You know, and then they, they get out of high school and it's like, you know, they, society says you're a man because you're 18, but then you're just kind of thrust out there. And then all of a sudden they, they're without a male role model, a lot of these guys, and then they tend to get in trouble. That's a pivotal point in life. So luckily for me, I mean, when I got thrust out of high school, <laughs> which was when I went in and said, hey, I got a girl pregnant, and my dad was like, well, g- welcome to the workforce. But, yep. <laughs> you know, I worked for two two months in a shitty job in a cotton mill, and I was like, I've got to do something different. So yep. I went in the Marine Corps. But the Marines was that for me. I mean, the Marine Corps was my mom and dad, and during those pivotal transition years. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the beautiful thing about like, like being in a sport like MMA or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a sport you can do all your life versus, you know, traditional sports is once you're out of high school and if you don't go to college and play it, you're kind of done with it. Right. Um, and, and coming here, you know, filling that void, like these young men can come in and to get that mentorship and, um, they, they develop friendships with guys that are older, that are professionals in different areas. And then so the, the mentorship extends past the martial arts. Yeah, we're, we're talking to them about jiu-jitsu. And the older I've got, honestly, the more I like to talk to them about everything else but jiu-jitsu. Me too. Like life skills, you yeah. know, like uh, like I said, how to be a good dad. Like, uh, you know, just counseling them. And, and so many men, you know, you're, you're raised up. We had this conversation the other day with my son Owen, and, you know, we had a very – uh, grown up conversation. He's eleven, and I divorced his mom, and you know he internalizes a lot of things, and he's he's very OCD, which I'm I'm sad that he inherited that from he's me. He's very intelligent. He's very intelligent. Oh my deeply god, about man! Stuff. I call him. I literally call him Young Sheldon. Yeah, he's already started like two online businesses, and you know he's he's eleven. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he can talk about world economy. It's it's crazy. Like he is a genius in certain areas. Um, but anyways, we had this talk. He got emotional and he, he teared up. And he goes, "I'm sorry, Dad. I know I'm a, I'm a 
boy, I shouldn't tear up. And I'm like, well, I don't know who told you that, you right. know, but I said, your dad is a, uh, you know, not bragging. I'm a tough guy. You know, I said, but hell, I cry all the time. And the older I've got, the more tears I've shed. Yeah. Um, and, and I get pretty sensitive with things, but we've, you know, that's the cool thing about being here is when you can develop those relationships with these young men and, and you see them some days at their worst. I mean, I, when I worked in the school system, I could walk down the hall and because I knew the kids, and I could just look at a kid and go, "That kid's having a bad day." I can tell just from his facial structure, you know. And and I would go up and talk to him and try to talk him out of it. Same thing in the gym. Like I've been on the mat and I've had some of my you know favorite guys on the mat, and I just look and think, "Well, he's not. Something's wrong with him today." And so then when I pull him over and like, "Hey, let's get this roll in. Let's let's do our our roll." A lot of times it ends up just being a counseling session on the mat. We don't even roll. We just sit there and talk about what's going on in their life, and they open up and hell, they'll tear up sometimes. I tear me up. I mean, and that's part of being a, a man, you know, is is being vulnerable. And I know we talked about that on, on another podcast, but I, and I told my son that. That was what I was getting at with Owen. I said, son, the strongest thing you can do is be vulnerable, you know. Um, and there was an old movie quote. I don't even know the name of the movie. I think George C. Scott was in it. And uh, he was playing the granddad to this kid, and the kid was being bullied. And, and the quote was, don't be like Superman. You know, because Superman... There's nothing special about him. He had all these unique powers. He was stronger than everybody else. Nobody could beat him. That doesn't make him brave. Superman's not brave. If you're weak and you go out and face a greater opponent mm-hmm. and, or you're vulnerable, that makes you brave. Right. You know? So, yeah, and it, uh, we've, we've talked about this recently as well, like, um, you know, what it means to be a, a good man. And you get back to, you know, being vulnerable, all these other things that a lot of times people think are negative uh, weaknesses like weaknesses you know and and i think that's one of the things like you know we've all kind of fed off of this and we've talked about this before and I, you've talked about a lot about this is like the more i am myself yeah and i just be myself the authentic the more successful i am in everything i do and i think that that comes with confidence of knowing who you are and that gets back to finding that tribe of people that are like you plugging in you, 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 the iron sharpens iron. That respect that you have between brothers, between men, it's it's hard to find that in this day and age. And that's why I think training's so important. Because I know for even for me, like the more, the more I go on that journey, the more I'm around my brothers, the more I train, the more quote dangerous I am, the more caring I am. The more I'm oh, able yeah. to be comfortable well, being myself, the more I'm comfortable being vulnerable. Like it just I, makes I kinda, me better. I kinda, everything. I kind of. So. Got off course. Um, I brought sure. up Plato earlier, but I didn't really finish my thought with that. I kind of, my excuse, I get hit in the head a lot. So. <laughs> um, anyways, Plato was was talking about that. I mean, it's 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 um, you know you got to be vulnerable. Um, and he talked about you were talking about like how we raise our kids to be warriors and teach them to be tough. And one of the things that Plato talked about was if you train a, a young man. In the ways of war, and, you, and like he specifically said wrestling. If you develop in, in wrestling and he becomes a savage, but you don't develop his emotional aspects and his, you know, his the other parts of his, his mental game and his emotional game, you're just creating a menace to society, basically. Well, I mean, because you got to train like a savage. Yeah, you got to train like a savage, but you got to also install, instill morals and morality and um, emotional maturity. And that all goes hand in hand because if you're just training 
to be a savage, you're so lopsided. And there's so many men in this world that, that think that that's what being a man is, is being a tough guy, never crying or never showing emotions. And it's like, dude, I, that's not, in my opinion, what being a man is. Right. Yeah, and to your point, MMA gyms, I mean, that's – Yeah, I mean – We are constantly being told, man, it's so different here. And why is that? How is that? And I, my explanation is always the culture, and I know you've got a lot yeah, to say about that as well. So. It's just expectation. You know, like – Right. Like you said, we can't just teach these guys how to fight and then turn them loose. No. You know, like, I, there has to be a little bit and, – and look, it's going to come in time, but also, like – I look at this whole experience because what I don't want people to think is that, like, Matt Harris in 2023 is who walked in the door, you know, right. 17 years ago. Yeah. No. It's an I evolution was, and process. But on the flip side, I was a, I was me. You know, and I, it's not like I've changed. I've always been me. When I was a kid, I was still just like this. Mm-hmm. But you – you kind of get refined through jujitsu. It's like a crucible, or you know, and and you're just burning out those impurities. And over time, you're better. And I'm not saying I'm amazing, but I'm saying I'm a heck of a lot better than when I started. And I think jujitsu has a lot to do with that. Oh, Pressure in general, and and pursuing something in general. And that's, I think that's my biggest knock right now. Like. If, if your biggest thing in life is that you're a fan of something else, you should be a fan of yourself. You know what I mean? Like, right. why are you worried about what Alabama does on a football game? Like, it's fine oh, for gosh. that day. It's fun <laughs> for that day. Yeah, I know but, so many people. It drives me nuts. I mean, like. They'll know the stats. Yeah, they'll know. Their whole identities are called. Their whole identities rolled up. But, but what happens? Football. They don't care. Nobody cares about you. And you're no better off. You're. What they are is they're sucking your resources out of you to build them. And if you're okay with the fact that they're pulling resources from all these things to build up, you're less than you are. You're diminished. You need to find things that you're investing in you that make you better and, and push you higher. Like, take the same hours... That you're, that you're watching football and, and thinking about football and switch it to jiu-jitsu, your life gets better immediately, period. Yeah. Right, that's a fact. Or read a book. Read a book. Absolutely. Yeah. Listen to a podcast. Go have a freaking you know, conversation you know with somebody. It's funny. I don't even you know, listen like, to music much anymore. Like on my drives, I find educational, even if it's like a YouTube video on a sure. topic that I'm researching, we always have got to be a student. Yep. You never stop learning, or you shouldn't. You should always seek knowledge. And But people will be like, oh, I'm too old. Why? Like, that's the craziest thing. You know, I, I had a... I'm like a lot like you in the fact like my family didn't come from a lot like Sam Mountain. Right. My, I think my granddad or great granddad, there's like 12 or 13 of them, right? Yeah. In like a three room shack on Sam Mountain. On Sam Mountain. And he had like multiple college. Like he was like the longest continuing student of like the little Sam Mountain school, you know? And more than likely he was on like. <laughs> I think he's probably homosexual, and so he <laughs> never got married. But he was like the one, like really educated guy, the you know. On the, you know, and I'd always yeah. like it was interesting to talk right. to because he he like knew a lot of stuff. He's really fascinating, right. and just having one or two people like that can go a long way for a kid, even if most people are not interested in, in kind of improving. Right, like you said, it's it's the guy that checks on you just a little bit. We think of right. like, man, what we think of the the time investment 
in like just mentoring guys, like whether it's a 10 minute conversation or a 30 minute conversation every couple of weeks or just checking in with them. It's such a small amount of time to us, but it has an impact that lasts a long time. And you just don't think, you know, when, when I first got with my fiance, Jessica, she, (laughs) we, we went out to Chattanooga and I guess because our student base, a lot of them are from Chattanooga. I mean, I still like, I feel like before we moved to East Ridge, I didn't know that many people. So we'd go downtown Chattanooga and I felt like eh, everybody knows me in my hometown, but eh, I'm kind of blend in up here. Nobody knows who I am. Well, we're past that now. Way past that. And, and, and then we go in restaurants and it kind of shocked her a little bit because we everywhere we'd go, I'd have men come up to me and they would come up and hug me and it would talk. And then after we talked, you know, I'd introduce them. And then we're, as we're leaving, these are, you know, very tough men, MMA fighters, jujitsu, you know, badasses. And they're like, love you, man. I'm like, love you too. And then not today, I didn't know Elijah was going to be there for this grand opening. We have a coffee shop that opened up in Lafette. And I went in to pick up some ice cream for the girls and uh, some coffee. And he was in there, I guess, for the chamber of commerce. No, I was just there as a customer. Just there. So, you know, there's there's places packed and there's the girls behind the counter and a little teenage boy. And it's so funny to watch some of these teenager boys because they feel like they have to posture a certain way to, to, yeah. to feel manly or whatever, you know, and he's a good kid, but you know, it's just this awkwardness. I see it with my, my stepson, but yeah. you know, we're, there's a bunch of men around and I get my stuff. And as I'm leaving, I look at Elijah from across the room and said, see you tonight, brother. Love you. And he's like, I love you too. And, then, and when I said that, like I looked around, I don't know if you noticed it, yeah. but like everybody in the room looked at us. It. So like it's like stop. a record yeah. stop yeah. because they're like these two men that are, big tough guys just told each other they loved them and right. open public and yeah. it's like yeah I feel pretty comfortable you know I mean like I mean I t- <laughs> like, I've had people I don't know if Matt Harris would do that but I mean, I, look, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. Here, he here's does. here's my belief and you, we said this too if you're tough enough I can walk around in a pink tutu and I don't really care what you got right, to say about right. it you can't do nothing about it right. so you know you know you were the two toughest that's, guys in that room. Hey, you want to give each other a kiss on the, the lips? You can. One, one of the best compliments <laughs> ever, ever got was from Jazzy. And she was working the desk a few months ago. And she goes, you're the most comfortable man with this sexuality I've ever seen. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, <true>. Thank you. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm always hugging. And, and if, if I know any of the students are a little uh, uncomfortable being close to another man, I'll, I'll get very close to them and make them feel uncomfortable. Which... You just described sexual harassment. And, I know. You know, just probably, probably, <laughs> hey, look. I, I mean, if, if we're going to be honest, like, we might need to just Well, there's, record, there's two re-record. guys. There's two guys I mess with, but I yeah. love them. Yeah. I, I mean, look, it just comes down to building relationships with those guys. and, and It really does. And, like, mentoring, like yeah. you said, it doesn't take a lot of time on our end. But, you know, we get back to, like, how connected we are as a society, and we're the – also, with this is simultaneously. I just talked to another friend yesterday about this. We're the most disconnected we've ever been in yeah, history. Yeah, data as far as, shows it over as and over. Humans go, yeah, and we so, spend less time together than we've ever spent in human history. So many of the people but, I mentor that I just talk to, like I can't tell you how many times I've heard them say, "Man, I, I'm just tired of being alone." Oh yeah, like I'm just tired of being alone, and and like I said, that's that's why. It's so like. Beyond jiu-jitsu and everything that we know jiu-jitsu provides for you, like the community that we've built. <laughs> the really mental health, health aspect of it. That's why it's so important. Like, oh, it's the biggest so part people. of it. It took me years to figure that out. Like I knew mm-hmm. I knew it was for us. Like right. I knew that's what it was for me. But, 
you know, you're thinking, well, somebody's coming. They're coming in here for self-defense or they want to be a fighter. And they kind of are, but really they're all coming here for community. That's what they're coming here for. I, I think that's why we saw such growth during COVID, to be honest with you, because yeah. people wanted normalcy so bad. And at least they could come in here and be normal for an hour and a half or two hours and then go back out to the, the craziness of what the, all the lies and crap that was fed to us through COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you talk, if you talk about society as a whole, like that's the other thing about the mats is that it's so, it's such a beautiful thing because it's the great equalizer because you can literally have like a surgeon that makes a half million dollars a year and then an ex convict that's, you know, trying to get his life back together that's, you know, got that. Fifteen oh, yeah. dollar an hour job, and, and and you could be on those mats. That if Look, you're in the hour, I, y'all are. I've always people. said, I wish yeah, society it's about the men. It's who you are. I wish society so. could be like uh, jujitsu mat, because you're right. I mean, we've got guys here. I mean, we're conservative and you know gun owners and Christian, but I mean, we've got guys that that aren't sure, but they're still our friends, and we don't Absolutely. haggle them like we we respect their beliefs. They respect our beliefs. We come in, we train, and you know, well, and respect. Look. I was talking to Luke, and Luke, you know, he's definitely going to be on the podcast, but he, he'll he tell you he spent, you know, 10, 12 years in prison, maybe more than that. And uh, what I was telling him, I was like, a gogi is just like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, in its, in its own way, because respect is just – Oh. It's not asked for, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's not optional. Right. You have to have it. Like, if you don't, it, like – this is it's just like prison like obviously not to the level but it's the same culture like if everybody has respect we'll have a, we'll, a we'll great time nice. that's my pet but you piece. have to show respect and if you don't there's going to be bumps and yeah. there's going to be issues yeah, yeah that's so my, that's my trigger man yeah and with me like you're good as long as you show just a little bit i don't need much and behind closed doors you can cuss my ass out i don't really care too right. bad but better show a little bit you know and and that goes you have to set that expectation be lord of the flies it goes back to uh, the communication thing we talked uh, about we i took the kids out to amusement park tuesday kind of had a family day and you know there's two types of people and i and if you if you watch even if you go in restaurants watch the servers you're going to have those that seem absolutely miserable and hate their life and are rude because they hate their job and don't want to be there. Then you got the ones that are just happy. And and it goes back, and I I, I, I love this quote. It's relatively new to me. Uh, it's a, and I'm a Christian, but it's a Zen Buddhist quote. And I believe that there's knowledge in all things. But it said, uh, the Zen Buddhist philosophy says, before enlightenment, you chop wood and carry water. And then after enlightenment, you chop wood and carry water. What's the difference? One's happy doing it. The other one is begrudgingly doing it. Yep. So I looked uh, like we went to the amusement park Tuesday and man, these, a lot of those workers were so rude, disrespectful, like just disrespectful. I actually offered a free jujitsu lesson to <laughs> one guy. Please come. Anything you want. One on one. Business card? No, but I'm getting some cars made. There's a lot of people out there that needs, they need a free private free lesson. Free lesson. But uh, there was so, but then there was two or three people that I talked to, uh, these young girls that were just so happy and they loved their job and they, they made it fun for the kids. And I'm like, you know, so I, I, I you know, being a people person I, and I, I love studying behavior and what makes people tick. So the ones that I talked to were happy. They were in college and they, were working towards a career and they knew that wasn't going to be their life. It was just a transitional stage. 
and the ones I think that are miserable, and you see it in like in a restaurant with servers, that that's their life, and they're, they're going to be a server, and they don't have any other options. And well, let me tell you, like that touches on some of the like the things I focus on with my kids, and and really some of the best advice and some of the advice I've given more than anything is it's not the guy on the wrong path. You right. think it's the guy on the wrong path. That guy's going to be fine. He's going to find his way. It's the guy off in the damn woods that doesn't know where he, he doesn't know where the path's at. Mm-hmm. He's just hanging out trying to figure out even what he's doing. If you can get on a path, man, like you're getting somewhere. And we all haven't ended up where we thought, right? Like it all didn't turn out the way we thought. Right. But you set out on a path to get better and then this this fork comes along and you, you go left. Right. And then the next time, you know, another fork, you go left again. It doesn't matter. You're getting there. And at the end you're gonna you're gonna get to where you wanna go. And I you know, with like my daughter, I was like, I was always on her, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And she said, you know, I wanna be an astronaut. We did space camp, we did the whole deal. Cause at that age and and at my age I thought that's that's what you're supposed to do as a dad. You know, your kid wants to do something, take him to all that. We bought all the STEM toys. We, and I'm not saying I was wrong. Right. But we, we did all those things, and she went there, and she's like, uh, you know, realized that's probably not for her, but she liked engineering. And then she was going to be an engineer, and then she was going to be an electrical engineer, and then civil engineer. She graduated, and she's making probably more than I made as my principal when I started. That was easy. And she was salutatorian. And... I really never had to do a whole lot. So right. that was that was all really easy. And then you get Jack, and I've been on him every day too. And it was, you know, pro football player, pro wrestler. Uh, you know, and those are pretty much the only two options were hang out here. And, and you're like, no, <laughs> I, I want you to have drive and I want yeah. you, you know, to pursue right. something. How do you, how do you, you guys handle that? Like, well, where I, do you guys see? You know, uh, I, one thing I've, and I've learned, like I wasn't this way with Ashley, my oldest daughter. Um, with Owen, I try to be more, like, careful in, in how I would criticize, like, what he would choose to do. Like, obviously, I want him to be able to provide a good, comfortable living for himself and his family, but I do want him to do something that makes him happy. And, you know, being a child of the 80s, like, what was thrust down my throat was go to college, go to college, go to college, go to college. You can't make money, can't have a good career, can't have a good job unless you have that degree. So I bought into it. And of course I went later. I didn't graduate till I was 35, 35 or 36. But now there's so many people with degrees, with tons of student debt that can't find good jobs and they're miserable when they do. So with Owen, I just want him to be happy. And like, I preach like technical skills to him. And I know financially, you know, God's been good to us and we're, we're blessed. And I said, look, you know, I can run heavy equipment. I was like, if you want, if that's what you want to do, I'll buy you know, a traco and I'll buy a dump truck and a, and a trailer and I'll teach you how to do it and then give you the business. And I just want them to do what makes them happy. But at the same time, they got to, I mean, you got to be realistic, you know, right? because at 11 years old, he's like, well, I really like comic books, dad. I'm like, yeah, you're not going to do a comic book store. <laughs> right. You got to have a trade. Yeah. Yeah. And I keep wanting to make Jack do that, but he, he's like, well, I want to do this. And it's like, well, I mean, I, I get that, but I also want you to have another skill. You know, I don't right. just, and you're not very, you like, here's what you're, you're not worth very much to me. Like, go get an accounting degree or go get a physical therapy degree and you're very valuable to me. Or so you can go degree. back here. Yeah, or go be a lawyer and come back and be my lawyer. Yeah. You know, I'm looking for that kind of deal, but you can't push a kid. No. 
No, uh, that's the problem. And they're always going to be who they want to be. Yeah. But so for me, I took I took a little bit broader approach, I guess, with both of my kids. And um, so I've always been a big believer that action breeds more action you know and you look at like who are the most active people normally like even with kids if you look at the most active kid in the room it's usually the most aggressive kid and so it goes back to i want to create this young man i want to create this young woman i want them to be tough i want them to have all the things i want to instill in them but i can't break their spirit because spirit a lot of times where the aggressiveness comes from you know and so i always would try to breed and aggressiveness into my kids. I want them to have that aggressiveness. And then it's all about once you have that aggressiveness, that that go-getter attitude, I want you to choose something and I want you to bite its head off. I don't even care if it's wrong. And then I can start steering that. I yeah. can start working with that. I've got something to work with. I have I have action that I can steer with. It's just like a, have you ever drove an old truck that didn't have power steering? Yeah. Try to turn the steering wheel when it's sitting still? Yep. You're not going to turn that well, steering wheel. You got to have it rolling, and then you can start steering it. And so that's kind of, kind of the direction I took was super aggressive. Like I wanted my kids to be aggressive, head first into everything, not be scared, no fear. I'm, I got your back. Jump off that cliff, and then now I can start Channel steering it. that. And then the other thing was attitude. And like one of the things I heard recently that kind of drives this this thing home is like it. You, you got to be grateful for every day that you're given and like really seize that day and, and use that aggressiveness to, to go in a direction that moves you down the road. And so like one of these things that I heard a while back that kind of stuck with me was like, okay, how would you feel right now? Like Stacy, how would you feel right now if I gave you a million dollars cash? I stacked it up here on the table and gave it to you. That'd be pretty nice. You'd be pretty happy about that. Oh yeah. So like if I gave you $10 million, would you even feel better about that? I'm sure. Now, what if I told you, when I give you $10 million, you won't wake up tomorrow. Yeah, How do you feel about suck. that? Yeah. You still taking the money? It's perspective. No. 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 So you're telling me that waking up tomorrow is worth more than $10 million. That's true. So if that's the case, then we should be waking up every morning just as grateful as we would be if somebody handed us oh, $10 million. Sure. I mean, so like if you take some aggressiveness and you take some action, you add the right attitude to it, and then you let them go be what they want to be within reason. I mean, you, yeah, you right. got to kind of keep them safe, you know, but, but like, you know, like I say, he, he had all the HVA licensing and all that stuff was working HVAC jobs. We got into law Mate, enforcement for a minute too. Yeah, he was doing that a little bit and officer. decided – Dad, I, I'm 20 years old. I feel like I'm pretty good at this jiu-jitsu and fighting thing. I want to see how far I can go. I want to quit my job and just focus on training. Okay. Yes. Let's, yeah. let's, let's see. And, and to know? be honest with you, if he'll put, which I think he will, but if he puts four years in it, he's probably in the UFC. But true, and that's that's possible. Uh, but but you understand, as, as a dad, you're yeah. like, man, like you know, right. we just went through all this. But but I've bred in him aggressiveness. I've bred in him action. You know, I've bred in him attitude. So I've got to trust him a little bit. You know, if he says this is something he wants to pursue, then I got to take a step back and be like, all right, I got your back, man. I got your and, back. Let's and go. And see the hardest thing to so. live with in life is regret. Not just not knowing. And, and I, I see that a lot with people that are older. Um, if they don't try the things that they want and then youth evades them or escapes them and then they live with these regrets, it makes them a miserable older person. Yeah. But um, one of my mentors um, used to say this too, which was good wisdom. I learned it a little later in life, but he said, you know, kids are like a little red wagon 
and it, and you got two options. You can pick the handle up, you can gently pull that thing, and that wagon will go anywhere you want it to go. But if you get behind it and start pushing it really hard and you don't lift the handle up, it's, it's just going to go circles. around in a circle and not do anything. And I think as parents, we – and I know I did as a younger dad for sure. I pushed too hard. So now I'm more – just like with the mentorship in the gym, pick the handle up and gently lead it mm-hmm. and then have faith that that wagon's going to follow. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you definitely learn as you grow. And, you know, as we've gotten older, I've I've kind of figured a lot of that stuff out. But I, I've got a lot to figure out. I mean, and it's the bad thing is you get your kids raised and it's like, oh, i got a good handle on this now. <laughs> it's too yeah. late, you know? Yeah. That's, that's the tough part. Yeah, I'm much better at being the the correct amount of tough on Hannah without breaking her spirit. And because of that, her spirit is actually, she's got more spirit, more aggressiveness than Isaiah had at the same age because I'd already tamped him down too much and was having to kind of turn uh, no. it back the other way. I didn't ever break Isaiah, thankfully, and you can, you can tell that by the young man that he is. But I came close a few times, and I was uh, really pushed him hard. I did, too. And, you know, you, you being his principal in second and third grade, you remember how quiet of a kid oh, yeah. he was and stuff like that. I mean, like, I uh, come close to, to breaking him, and Hannah's not that way. And so I've, you know, gotten better my second time around. But, yeah, you definitely – you learn more as you go. So That's true. Well, I guess last points, if you got any last thoughts for dads, uh, any guys in the gym, just – there's a lot of guys just starting out. I would say don't beat yourself up too much. Um, that was one of the things I was so critical of myself as a young dad. Like, I put so much into it. I, I really had spent a lot of time through my younger years just wanting to prove to the world that I could be a great father. And I was, like, so dead set on that that uh, every day I was beating myself up. Like, am I doing this right? Am I messing up this kid? Like, am I doing things wrong? And it really goes back to what we talked about in the beginning a lot on this podcast here where kids are, you're not going to mess them up if you're just trying your best to be a good role model, a good leader. You're putting positive things in their life and you're present. Just, just be there, like be there as much as possible and you're not going to go wrong. It's when you ignore them or, oh, yeah. or you, or you're not present or you're just, talk to not engaging them at all that you're going to start losing them so i I really feel like being present and just not beating yourself up is a big thing especially for a young father so before i get to you stacy i do want to touch on that just because i as a principal man like i'd have parents come in and they would be concerned and they're like i'm i'm so worried and i'm like if i see if i see one of you come in your kid's probably fine if i see both of you come in i almost guarantee your kid is fine Right. It's right. it's the oh, yeah. kid that doesn't have anybody coming in that's not going to be fine. Exactly. That's that's usually the what you'll see is grandparents coming yeah. in. Yeah. And or, or no one. Or no one. That's yeah. that's really. I mean, what to be saying. honest, most of the time it's just nobody. Yeah. Nobody. All right. So uh, I guess I'll end with this one. Um, I was thinking about how to tie it into this conversation. It just and it segued in at a Aliens? perfect time. No. That's not <laughs> yeah, we didn't get there. We will. No, I we promise. will. That's going to take a couple hours. I mean, just to get started. Yeah. Yeah. But. Um, as a kid, and I know, you know, I'm an older guy, and this is something that it might be something that young people are not told, but, you know, I always tell people this, like one of the greatest lies I think I was told as a kid was the old adage about sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never harm you. My grandmother used to tell me that, but that's a, a lie, you know, and I've come to realize that words are so powerful and they hurt 
so much worse than a stick or a stone would hurt. So I guess my advice, and I'm preaching to myself because I have, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, used my words not in a good way sometimes yeah. with my kids that when they, when I was a younger father. But I, as I've gotten older, I've gotten more careful of the words I use and how I do it because you got the, I mean, they're like putty and you can just completely destroy them with, with what you say to them or you can build them up. And it's, you know, just being cognizant of that and how powerful your words are. And, and uh, we talk about that just in the gym, like being a jujitsu coach, you walk in, you say something and like it, there's ripples that come from what you say. And like me being a police chief and I walk in, I, it's crazy because I don't view myself any different than any other employee there. But I've had, you know, my upper command staff come in and say, you don't understand when you go out in the hall and you speak to an officer and you say something, that's policy. Like you're creating policy with your words and that just has this major effect on everybody. Yeah. Well, your kids are the same way. And I've had to, with Owen, um, I've really had to work on that. Like I've had to go back and be very careful what I say and how I say it because I don't want to kick his legs out from underneath him or or break him like you talk about. But yeah, words are powerful. So I guess that's my parting advice to dads is, you know, be careful with the words that you use. Yeah, there's something I picked up 10 or 15 years ago from a leadership class I went to that is on on that topic actually. And it it was talking about how to coach people. And coaching is very similar in the workplace to being a parent, really. I mean, you're, right. we're all big kids at the end yeah. of the day, and we're constantly, if you're coaching an adult, you're pretty much coaching a child at the really at the root of it. But uh, it talked about taking the, your emotion out of the coaching session and, like, how to communicate and kind of steer that person and maybe even give them, you know, some critical feedback without – using emotion and being angry or using right. words that you, sh- you regret later and stuff like that. And so there's a structure path that you would take is you, you talk about the observed behavior. So like, here's what I observed you doing and here, here's why it's bad. Okay. Here's the impact is the second thing. So it's observed behavior impact. So the impact, here's what it, the impact was on the family or on the household or on your sister or the kid down the street that you beat up or whatever the, the case is, you know, then you say, here's a specific behavior that I, I'm looking for you to have in the future, can I get a commitment? So it's observed behavior, impact, specific behavior that I want to observe from you going forward. Can I get a commitment from you, yes or no? And so that takes all the emotion out of it. And I've actually used well, that quite a bit. It's funny you said that because I was sitting here thinking like one of the points I wanted to make is kind of that, but simplified and yeah. see what you think. Like, I really believe when a kid's – young like pr- prior to eight you have to tell them their values so right. you have to establish values. Every you, day. you should look at them in the eye if they're doing something or not whatever you want you look them at the in the eye and you say we don't do that yeah. we do this here's here's why we do this do you understand why we do it this way do you understand this is how we do things yeah and once you establish this is the expectation this is why it's our expectation i'm not telling you it's right for anybody else but we are not going to do things that way. Right. And I'm like, honestly, whether it was as a principal or as a parent, the most effective that I ever have been is me getting down at their level, looking at the eye and just explaining. That's not how we do it. Yeah. This is how how we do it. it. This is why we do it from here on out. That's my expectation that you're going to do it this way every time. Do you understand? And then yep. make them say, yes, yes I, understand. I understand. I like the what you said, Elijah, about taking emotion out of it. Because what I found w- with Owen specifically, um, 
I can be very passionate about something. Mm -hmm. So when I'm giving him a talk and I'm passionate, I'm not angry or angry at him, but he can misinterpret that passion passion. for being angry. Yes. So I've had to like back up and go, buddy, I'm not mad at you. Like I'm just very passionate about this subject, you know? So the taking the emotion out, I think it's a great, that's a great nugget right there. Well, mine, I would, I've kind of given a couple, but Mine really is, is spend as much time on yourself as you're spending on your, your kid. Focus on your accomplishments and your growth as you're focusing on your kid's growth. And maybe those need to be the same things. And so you need to set an example at each stage. Absolutely. So like when your kid's four or five, you don't have to do a lot. You can play with them. You right. can exercise. They can see you exercise and see you making good decisions. And that's enough. As they get older, you got to get better. And so the things that you're saying need to match up with what you're doing or they're never going to listen to you again. Absolutely. And then also don't ever tell them you're going to do something and don't do it. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I would tell kids when I was teaching, I said, if you do it one more time, I'm going to hang you up by your ears. And I want you to understand that I will absolutely lose my job to not lie to you. I promise I'm not going to lie to you. So I'm going to lose my job. Yep. You decide right now. I, I had a. I mean, I don't know what you you can't lie to a kid and think the next time they're going to buy your shit. Well, that's yeah. just not how it works. In college, it was so funny. I, one of my favorite professors was teaching criminology class, and he said, "You know, for society to function, punishment doesn't have to be severe, but it has to be swift and certain. As long swift. as it's swift and certain, and they know that's what you're going to get." Right. We're all right. And you know what? All that has to be is your face every time. Oh, yeah. If they know every time you mess up, you're going to see me. Yep. You understand? Like, every time. And, and what I can see from They're my kids, this. I tell yeah. you what, what my... I had 500 kids doing every day what they were supposed to do because <laughs> they just didn't want to see my face. And, and it, they knew the second yeah, they did it, it I was It's so them. funny with mine, too. Like, they they could take an ass whooping. They oh, could take Jack a spanking. But when you, when you express uh, disappointment in them... Whew, I mean, it cut him. I mean, yeah. it would cut him to the bone, that, and especially with Owen. Like, he, you could beat that kid all day, but if you said, man, I am disappointed in you, and you got alligator tears flying at you. Well, my yeah. daughter, it was, it is, it is, we talk about this psychological warfare with kids right. all the time, but, you know, with my daughter, I gave her one spanking, and to this day, she'll explain why that was, I should not have done that, and she was in the wrong, right, but she wasn't. <laughs> she was wrong then, right. and I'm still right. Uh, but that's her and I are just alike when it comes to that. But Jack didn't care. What I realized is like, it could be a broken McDonald's co- toy. But if I said, I'm throwing this away, you're never getting back. Done. Yeah. He'll do anything. He'll Funny. whatever you want. So as soon as I realized it's just like any toy, I can just, whatever's nearby. Oh, you want it? Nope. It'd do anything you said. And uh, it's almost bad that it was that, you know, but you kind of have to know your kid and kind of know what they're going to respond to. So, yeah, well, it's been fun. I've learned some stuff, and uh, hopefully, it's um, you know, it's just fun to see the guys that we think of as kids become dads, and and it's fun to see those kids start coming into the gym. And you know, it's Isaiah. I always say is like he's like the first of that generation. You yeah. know what I mean? He's like the first of our kids to kind of come all come the way, be consistent. way through. Yep. So uh, fun to see what he does and, and a bunch of these other kids. It doesn't matter if you fight. And a lot of these, you know, it's just like the guys listening and the ladies listening. Most of us are never fighting, you know. Right. Um, that's not what it's about. So on that, we do have an opponent change for Trevor. Um, yeah. So 
June 24th, we'll have a have a new opponent. Uh, same result, hopefully. But yep. uh, now, at this point, it's going to be Jose Mariscal, Chepe. So it's going to be a fun one. Uh, it's going to be fun. We'll have a lot down there. And uh, Jack will be with me. Like I said, that's a big reason I do MMA is just because it's at least something we can do together. And I, I think whatever you find that you can do with yeah. your kid, they're going to be better off. We'll also have the watch party for him here at the gym as well. I'll be here that day. Yeah, so uh, that's – and that's that's fun. And remember, it's at eleven thirty yeah. for some reason. So make sure you don't miss it. And uh, we'll get on the mats. And, and one so. last thing before we go, yeah. um, I just want, I, with it being Father's Day, and us talking about mentorship and everything, I just don't want to end this before throwing this out there. And I know I speak for me and probably for both of you guys as well. But if you guys are listening to this, or you're part of a gogi, or even outside of a gogi, and you're a young father or you're a father that's struggling or anything like that, reach out to one of us. Um, for sure. I, I'm I'm always here, man. I, I will listen. I'll help you any way I can. And I think we got several older guys here in the gym that would do the same. So that's oh, yeah. what we're here for. We're be here. vulnerable. Don't don't be afraid to, you know, share your emotions. And uh, if you're struggling to let somebody know about it, Absolutely. we all struggle. We don't have all the answers, but, you know, we've we've lived a pretty, pretty good life. And if yep. you and if you got a dad that's still alive, spend some time with him this this weekend. My my father's here in physical form, but he's got Alzheimer's and he hasn't known who I am for for a year or two, and it's it's heartbreaking. But uh, yeah, spend time with your with your dad, or you know, if you don't have a father still here and you got a child, spend some time with him this Sunday. Awesome! Happy Father's Day, everybody. See you. Yeah, on the one house. thing I didn't say, I got a great dad. Really happy. So happy <laughs> Father's Day to him. Uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. See you on the mats. Yeah. Thank you.